Today, we're talking to Sati, CTO of Upwork, about the revolution of remote freelancing. You're listening to Joel Beasley, Modern CTO. I think I've posted, like filled maybe close to 200 jobs and half a million dollars worth of work on Upwork. So I'm like an Upwork power user. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when I saw you were coming on the show, I was like, this is going to be great. And then my producer's like, you need to put away your list of product suggestions. <laughs> I would <laughs> He's take not them the off. person for that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what kind of person would I be if somebody who's a power user and I get to chat with them and they're telling me all the suggestions, I'll take them. If not on the show, I'll take them off the show. Yeah. What do I know? You know better than I do. Yeah. I mean, we love using it, by the way. I've actually started training like my team on how to use it too. It's great for um, for like smaller projects and for the team because they can be integrated into my billing. Like I bring them on to my team right. and then I taught them sort of like how to hire and what to look for and, you know, how to do a good job post. Like for example, we, we posted two jobs yesterday and today, actually. One of them, I know what it is. I don't know what the other one is, but one of them is for making clips. Um, right. Like we want to make these like very specific style of clips. And so I was sharing with Andrea, who's who's doing this. She had posted a job looking for people that do clips and taking resumes and looking at portfolios. And I said, if you post a link to the style of clip that we want and say, this is the style we're looking for, we're looking for someone, then it will make your job as like a recruiter, hirer person much, much, much easier. See, now you are actually talking exactly, I mean, I could leverage this for our community product. Like we have this site that we're like expanding. It's all about community. And you are talking literally about like best practices for your team. But if you could just do that and tell people, if you want better hits, you want better people to like show up and you want to have your exact problem solved, you could probably put on the community and teach people like, this is how you do it. And as a client, and then talent could go, Oh, if I know that, then I can like really have like a good idea of how much it costs for me to build it, how much time, et cetera, and they can bid appropriately for it. Making that connection much, much, much better. At some point in time, if you're recording a video of that, I would love yeah. to leverage you on the community site. Yeah, I didn't even know you had a community site. So <laughs> this is news. <laughs> I, that's the, I think the engagement with clients and talent is what we would like, right? The long-term engagement. You want people to first like get started. And get started in a way that the first time they come on, the experience is really beautiful. So they go, okay, I'm not lost in what I need to do here because most people tell us, if I had like a script on what I need to follow, then I would do so I would get my first hit. Then I know how it works. So like, you know, you kind of figure it out the one or two times and you know what works and what doesn't, then they kind of get started. And I think that is, if you could solve that by training, by videos, by people collaborating like you or anybody else who's like done it multiple times, like teaching people on both sides how to do that, that would be lovely. And then that gets the whole flywheel going for all of us because these guys will start putting more jobs on because once you get used to it, you go, wait a minute, I can like, I, I use Upwork for scheduling my holidays. And I didn't know I could do that uh, until I saw somebody doing it. And I said, what are you doing? He's like, I'm planning my holidays. I go, yeah, that's like a stressful process for me. Uh, I got to figure out where I'm going, do the bookings, you know, do the end-to-end -end, like tour guides and all that stuff. And it's painful, but my wife and I do it every single year and we have this big plan. And this person on my team goes, well, why don't you use the platform? I said, what do you mean? He said, I use that, I use the platform every single year. And then he showed me how he does it, how he posts the job up, what does it look like? Here's what the parameters are. And I go, okay, great. And I even asked him root questions like, so do you give your credit card to this person to like take care? He's like, well, 
with the person that I have right now, I have like eight years of established relationship. So yes, absolutely. I This person takes care of everything for me. And I started using the exact same person and my life has been awesome. Yeah. I've got to tell my wife about <laughs> Because <laughs> we, we, she uses Upwork for her business too, by the way. She has a separate account. Right. And she uses it because she does social media management for like veterinary clinics. Right. And she, like WordPress upgrades and like WordPress security, she doesn't want to get too deep into that. She'll like make the page, but she, the maintenance of it to make sure it's up, she has like a network of three or four people she constantly does micro work with and it's right. fantastic. I think they're all finding new ways to outsource the work that we are used to doing, right? And I think it's at a both personal level and also, I mean, I found people in my neighborhood. I live in Seattle, pretty much. It's like everyone around here is like tech or tech focused or is trying to start a business, et cetera. So I meet a different set of people to be fairly honest. But in social conversations, it's all about like, oh, I use your platform a lot. I'm like, oh, great, tell me why. And almost always it is, we have an idea that I want to go think of it. Uh, I want to start it. I want to build something and I want to ideate on it and I want to iterate on it. And that's the platform we use. I'm like, oh, okay, great. That's, and it's in different stuff. Somebody talked to me about their fashion website. Somebody talked to me about like how they're doing marketing. Somebody talked to me about their accounting side. I'm like, oh, I mean, the impact that I am seeing more is, it's like the genius bar, right? Like you're, you're a startup in the Bay Area or in Seattle. The first thing you do is you walk to the Apple store and you go, Hi, can I have like four laptops set up like enterprise stuff? Thank you so much. Uh, gee, somebody spends an hour with you in the Genius Bar. Kind of using that logic to, we need a set of skills and people to go solve a particular problem. And I'm using Upwork as the place where I go and get that. And that to me is super powerful. Yeah, I did that two weeks ago with an AI question that I had to understand if something was possible. I don't know if this is if you see this happen a lot, but I'll post and I'll say, "Hey, I'm I'm curious to better understand this, and I I need somebody who's an expert here, and I'll pay you hourly." And and most times the way those end is they answer the question in the message, and I just start a job and pay them like because i i want to contribute to the ecosystem like i could just as easily say you know thanks you know right. you gave me the answer to my question but i want it to like you know keep going forward um and it was very valuable information so it's really great way i didn't know that this would be an upwork love fest but <laughs> i really do like the product one of the things that made the biggest impact cuz i've been on it for like 10 years i think wow was when when you started uh, reusing job posts. I know you're, you're new though, right? You've I'm new. Been I've there been there for almost uh, 16, 17 months. How did you get involved with that? Actually, so, a long conversation, but Hayden reached out and she was, Hayden's my boss, she's the CEO of the company. And she was talking to me about like, hey, this is the opportunity. We are trying to like expand our business. Here's, and here are the things that we would want to do. And we want to like have someone come in and help us do that. And at that point in time, I knew of Upwork. I hadn't used them enough. So I kind of did my own research, talked to a bunch of people, kind of get a sense of like, you know, where was the company going? What, was, what were they doing, et cetera. But the mission of, mission of the company, that was the one thing that like clicked in my head. And I go, wait a minute, this has the, the potential to impact people all over the world. This is not about like, you know, you have a specific skill in a specific area. You're not just doing like regular contracts that people do it. This is different. And that was energizing. And I could see that opportunity there that, that forget the business aspect of it, like, you know, a huge trillion dollar market to go address. It's the capability of being able to like change so many lives for the better in a way that is like globally distributed. Okay, 
that's a beautiful problem to go solve. And so that kind of drove me to the company. Obviously, we went through like our whole meeting other folks, et cetera. But like, that's what got me here. And I think the last 16, 17 months, I've been focusing more on we're going from millions of users and want to go to tens of millions of users. So the how do we do it in an effective manner where we are scaling our business, making sure that our customer experience is like beautiful, simple, rock solid. And the word that I'm looking for is actually intuitive so that the training training of new customers becomes lesser and lesser and it becomes more like we are out of your way. Here's what you get. Here's the simplest way to like guide you through and you're done, right? So that has been the focus. Yeah, well, the the wizard, for lack of a better term, to yeah, get exactly. through has it's it's really gotten like significantly better over the over the and you know there's there's you, you watch it grow over the years and you see th- they try things and whatnot, but overall it's never been like an impediment for me to get what I want. It's always just like oh, okay, here's here's the new change. The apps have been pretty good. There's like this weird thing where there's like two separate apps and it's it's kind of confusing, but I'm just being nitpicky now. <laughs> no, no, it, 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 like I said, this is great. The uh, I think that's another aspect of stuff. We need to pivot to being a mobile first company and we mm-hmm. have, right? We have, we already have. Now that we are on that journey, we want to make sure that most people that who use us, like especially the talent is globally distributed. And the day of the desktop is long gone in specifically in those areas. People are either on tablets or on their phones, et cetera. So having the first class experience on the mobile device is a number one priority. And so if you notice, we have this two apps per se, one for talent, one for client, et cetera. They have like slightly different stuff. They were done for reasons and they were done based on research. But as far as we can make sure that the experience on each is customized, and then we kind of get to the next step and next step and optimize that funnel. That's what we are working on today. And we want it to be super fast globally per se. Because again, imagine somebody in like in a geo, which has like low bandwidth requirements, et cetera, trying to use the experience. They probably need to find like a landline, sit down, like get onto the land and like work on it. We want to kind of get out of that. We want them to get into this whole collaborate quickly, look at your stuff on your phone, wherever you are, reply back to contracts or whatever, really, really quickly on your phone chat with their customers, et cetera, those capabilities are like, have to be enhanced. Like they have to be first-class citizens. And that's what we're working on. Is that the most important thing happening today? Or like, what's the big thing happening like with you and your peers? I can go through a list. The number one stuff like I talked to you about is scaling. Uh, Scaling in a manner that's not linear, scaling to tens of millions of customers. So we have, and building like really fast experiences for them. Two, making sure that they are walking through the funnel really quickly. So the way you described it is a wizard, but it's a consolidation of all our multiple products that we have for different segments in a manner that you don't have to guess what you need. We intuit it for you. I know that you're looking for X, so here's the next step sort of thing, rather than like go and figure out which product really works best for me per se, right? So I kind of taking you out from the guessing game, but being super customer focused on it. Then the third part is obviously expanding to the world, get into different geos, localize and make wonderful experiences for whichever country we go into so that that market is tapped in the right way. And then search and match and discovery is like, you know, basic thing that we need to build on because you use the Upwork search engine. Um, We want to be first giving you the right talent or the right things in front of you first. So relevancy of the search is super important. Second part of that, developing more on the AI aspect of it is 
we want to intuit what you're actually looking for. So if you said, hi, I'm trying to like build a website, that's great. The next part of it is once you build the website, you probably want to send some traffic to it. So you probably need somebody who's really good at sending traffic to it, right? So like we should probably put that in front of the customer and say, now that you're building the website, have you considered this person who would help you get traffic to that site? Okay, great. Like, ha have you considered this person who's really good with Google AdWords or whatever, right? So the things that make your end product better or move you forward, things that you haven't yet discovered, but we have enough to know of customers like you to drive you forward is what we're trying to do. It's like Amazon. They say, you know, 70% of people also bought these items and you can like bundle them together, you know? And I came from that world. <laughs> you spent some time over at Alexa, right? Did you have the pleasure of knowing uh, David Spitsky? Did your time overlap there? Uh, no, I'm not aware of him. And I, as soon as you said that word, I started shut off my Alexa device because it's going to respond to you. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, employee one on the Alexa project. He was just the first person at the company and he built the original teams and all of that. I have not worked with him. Uh, I worked on Rohit Prasad's team, uh, which was basically the platform that, our, well, my team specifically was the platform on which Alexa is built. So think of it like, you know, how do you build the models? How do you have the end-to-end -end engineering? How does data flow through the system? So that's what my team was. That was pretty cool. And so you did was, that for a couple of years? I did that for a couple of years. Uh, and then I ran uh, trust and safety for a couple of years. So how to make sure that when you buy something from Amazon, A, the product is what they say it is, and then uh, making sure that, you know, you're not getting swindled, and then making sure that Amazon is not getting swindled. Culturally, are there similarities between Amazon and Upwork? I think Amazon has a very unique culture. Uh, it's also set in stone for a long period of time, so it evolves, but it evolves slowly. The company breathes and li lives its culture, so it's like, the people get assimilated into that culture per se. And there is a very nice mindset on how that evolves, et cetera. So it has its advantages. Upwork is nimble, fast, uh, an evolving culture. It's taking the best from every place per se, not just like Amazon or any one place. Uh, and I think it's evolving rapidly to be like super fast, customer obsessed, all the same things that you would hear in different places, but kind of picking the best of both worlds, optimized to what it wants to be in its current journey today. And it's evolving really, really, really rapidly. So we have like, we, we made our processes better, how we planned, how we execute, how we run the company, how we actually are like thinking about uh, what drives the customer, where we want to spend the time and energy on making sure that the experience gets better, et cetera. So we are evolving in those spaces. And then we are also doubling down on certain areas like I just talked about. Oh, nice. I, I have a question. You mentioned countries early, going into different countries. So I recently made friends with this guy named Gaga. He's a founder of a company called Redberry. They do software design. They're based in the country of Georgia. Right. He was telling me about like how their country, it's like super hot for outsourcing right now. The government is giving all of these tax credits for like tech outsourcing to sort of get on the world stage and to make an impact and become a place. Now th that's that's one country. There's hundreds of countries in the world. You mentioned that you go into different countries or you start service. Can you explain how that works? Uh, so this is slightly different. So I think okay. what you talked about is that, uh, you know, many countries are spending, you know, are incentivizing people to be in the freelancer space or if not in the freelance space, in the contracted space, the IT space, et cetera. So they are all sort of pushing them forward. I think that is more to build like, you know, local export zones where 
companies can come in and open a contracting office, etc. That's good. And that's part of, you know, what we would take as well. Those would be agencies on our platform, etc. Right. So those would be people that, you know, you would work with both from an enterprise suite perspective, or you would be like, you know, you can directly work with them per se. But more than what I was describing is something different. It's like, if I want to go to say, and I'm make, totally making up a country. If I want to say, I want to launch a version of Upwork in Brazil, and I'm making it up completely, then the experience in Brazil is slightly different. The talent in Brazil is slightly different. What the local clients in Brazil expect is slightly different. It's like, you know, the Big Mac burger, if you kind of order oh, yeah. it in Brazil, it's different than what you get in the US. And so we would move our business forward. We could have a really beautiful version for that specific customer in that country if we optimized the look, the feel, the site, the search capabilities, the matching capabilities for that particular geo, right? And I, we believe uh, that that is going to be one, one of the largest drivers for our business going forward. So again, on a journey, but we want to make sure that we have the thoughtfulness behind how we enter markets, when we enter markets, when is it mature enough for us to go in, et cetera. And that A, having your platform ready and B, sort of having that framework around it. All right. Let's go to the future of remote work. You guys are constantly around tens of thousands of people who are working remote. What trends are you seeing? Where's remote work going? The beauty of remote work now is that it has expanded drastically. Like there was there was a lot of concern, at least in the back of my head, that, hey, what's going to happen when this pandemic is over? Is it going to be like, will we see lower rates? Would we see people going back to like full-fledged regular work as we knew it before the pandemic? And we are not seeing that. We are seeing a lot of people, um, at least in the high 20s right now, compared to where it was before, are moving to remote work. Even now, I mean, if I survey people around in the Seattle area, most people have switched to more remote work many of them, uh, and companies are not any longer, at least not in the Seattle area, pushing people to come back to work. It's it's sort of like, yeah, you you meet them when there's some collaboration needed, or you meet them when there is like, you know, get together to like solve a specific thing once in a while per se, or get together more for social slash bonding reasons. But by and large, I am not seeing, at least in my circle, people sort of being asked to come back to work. So when I see stuff, uh, like you're watching on Twitter or anywhere else, like, hey, come back to work. I don't see that as like a macro thing happening. You know? From a company perspective, from a global perspective, remote work is even more prevalent. So we see the rise of the freelancer and it continues to grow across the board. So from how I see it, like Upwork globally, this is a beautiful thing that's growing. And well, who wants to be stuck in traffic for like two hours? Like nobody does. And we have established in the last two and a half years that it has literally no material impact at all on all the things that we used to talk about. Like, oh, they are, you know, it's the productivity is not going to be there. People won't have relationships with each other. Collaboration is going to be a problem. Well, we as a human race actually overcame much of those uh, or have learned very, very well. Even we've learned like how to onboard new people very, very well. Like that used to be a big problem. One of the bigger things that we struggled actually back at Amazon in my team then was like, how do you onboard people just we just hired who's living across the country and we just have to ship them a laptop and say, welcome. And then, you know, we built the muscle around it. And that, I think every company did that. And Upwork has been doing it for years. It, my uh, my majority of my own workforce, we are customer zero for what we offer Upwork as a remote solution. And almost 85% plus of my workforce is follows the Upwork model. They are all 
geo distributed across the globe, my engineering team. And that has almost always been the case. So we kind of like had the playbook on how to do this. And so when I moved from Amazon over to here, I'm like, I wish I had this playbook. Like, have you guys considering like giving this playbook out to enterprises to say, we've solved this problem. We've been doing it for years. So here you go. And I think that's, that was the beauty of watching that work, getting really good engaged employees, people who are remote, doing the management of their teams remotely, like a person in, for example, in Georgia, managing a team over in like Ukraine and Poland, et cetera, because they're sort of very close in time together and still working on like really wide deliverables across the board. So I give you a long wide answer on remote work, but I think it's it's expanding if, if not anything else. I see the same thing. And our company was in person prior to the pandemic and then fully remote after. And then we made the conscious decision to scale the company fully remote uh, after a lot of debate. And one of the cool things is, is you get a remote culture, right? And like we just last week flew everyone into Nashville, Tennessee. We got to meet people who had joined the team. We do this about, you know, three times, three or four times a year. We'll pick a different location and bring everyone in. And it's great. We get to meet the spouses and the friends. Some people bring their friends. And it's it's this whole thing that we would not normally have if we were all in the same city. You know, yeah. it would just be us all going out to dinner and we all know each other. So it's it's got there's pros and cons, but um, you know, I'm an optimist, so I'm gonna make it all pros. <laughs> me, me too. I'm an optimist too. And we do that too. We call them meetups. And uh, we recently had a meetup in Istanbul. And so pretty much everybody, some people from here flew over and a whole bunch of people from like the Europe area. And we have a significant European footprint. Flew over to, uh, to Istanbul. A, they had a great bonding time. Two, they got to solve some really complex problems that they were working on. So that required a lot of collaboration and stuff. And by and large, it was a really, same thing. They had to had a chance to bring their families along and stuff. So it, as a team that bonded, and then we are not paying the cost. I mean, there's cost benefits too, which you've probably already considered, right? There's no cost. That commercial real estate is expensive. You could get people together for far lesser than commercial real estate. And it pays way more dividends and people don't really want to come into work. You sure, we have an option. If you do want to come into work, there is an option. But by and large, it's more like, you know, choose as you will. Yeah, we've done things where like, three or four employees will happen to be in the same city just out of happenstance. And then if they ask for, like, they, they want to get together for a remote office or something, we've done that before. Uh, but it's it's ad hoc. It's not like we're forcing, you know, when there's five people in your location, we're forcing you all to go in the office. So, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting watching all the different companies and especially, like, in the financial services space, the, the older companies that are that are just older. <laughs> they're just managed by these boards and they're just, you know, 500-year-old companies and whatnot. They've been like pretty strict on the coming back into the end of the office thing. And it's just kind of funny because I get it. There's like half of me that gets it. But the other half of me says, if your KPIs are aligned right and your culture is the right people, then you're not babysitting or anything anyways. You just are getting the work done and the results happening. But what you mentioned a really cool point there. You said if your KPIs are aligned, I don't think many of those places run by KPIs. They're run by managing management by walking around or by, you know, micromanagement. They don't run about and maybe some top line goals, right? So if they actually had the right metrics to be able to look at what they're measuring and what their ramp looks like and if, if people can track to it, it would be awesome. They don't need to do any of this stuff. But they haven't. They'll just kind of be like, 
hey, Joel, what are you working on? Okay, great. When can you get this done? You know, the, that's the mode that they operate in. And that is, it worked for us. Like, I mean, when I started my first job, that's what I would do too. Till many years I did that. So I'm kind of not saying that they're wrong. It works. It's just a different way of working. And you kind of, you know, this is slightly a different way, specifically, I mean, coming from newer companies per se. And the older companies have a culture that has worked for years for them. So that's, it's a, there's some inertia there from moving from that to here. And I think all of them are trying, but they're in different ranges of trying. Yeah. And I think it's also the concept of like the right tool for the job. Like you can be in love with a language, a specific programming language, but it might not be the right tool. You have to figure out what's the, the thing that's needed to solve that problem. In some places, the way that everything is set up in person is just the way it's it's going to be for now. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's okay. That switching cost yeah. might be too high. Um, but like even my my daughter's school, right? They were preparing to go online even before the pandemic. And they had it more from like, what if we have snow days or extended shutdown times? And honestly, at that point, I didn't see the value. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why they're spending their time on this stuff. It's just, the kids go to school. If they shut down for two days, it's not going to be a problem. But the minute the pandemic happened, they were the most prepared. Because they switched over overnight and the kids knew exactly what to do. There was no panic at all. And they just switched over and it was completely seamless. And I think that's great planning on their part. Kudos to them. But there are other people who just like don't have the luxury of doing that or don't want to spend the time doing that because it's not their priority. Yeah, it's probably a private school. I don't think public schools could have handled that. <laughs> They're like... <laughs> yeah, I know. I just, it's, it was funny. I keep seeing all these memes with Elon Musk and, and they're like, you know, he goes into Twitter, he fires half the people and then it's like running faster and better. My wife's like, you need to get off Twitter. I was like, all right, cool. Cause I'd never used it before. Yes. Really? Like my team uses it to push out clips. But when Musk bought it, I started like going on and following him and like watching the Twitter files and all of that. And then I realized that, you know, I generally as a person don't do news really. And so I realized that I, I, I kind of got lured into the Twitter files and to see what was happening. But then I realized a lot of it's like news. And then that typically makes me like not Good happy. Job. It's distracting. And I just cut it out and I get happy again. <laughs> I am not watching the saga. The only thing that I hear about is like, I hear people talking about it uh, in our virtual corridors per se, and it mo mostly goes like, well, looks like this guy doesn't have a good understanding of how software works. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. it's It's been so fascinating, like the different... Um, well, I mean, look, he he was, you know, software guy, and then he became the richest man on the planet, right? Exactly. Like, that is such a unique experience. So I admire him from that from that regard. But um, yeah, there's there's always things people can be doing better. And as you know, being at the top of the company versus the stack, like it's a it's like physics, right? There's like different principles at different levels in this in the stack, and and uh, it's it's been it's been fun to watch someone come into such a large organization and have such detailed changes, right? And he's he's going so public with it that we are all getting a view into. <laughs> Okay, uh, like now all of us don't know the context, so we all have opinions. I'm sure they, he has more context, so he's doing stuff. But sometimes, like, okay, fine, like I would not do that. Uh, or you know, that sounds interesting. That's what I keep hearing from people, like, like, why well, he's done X versus Y. I'm like, okay, fine, I don't know enough. Yeah, uh, but it sounds interesting, and the fact that he's he's finding the time to be so public about it is the I other know. aspect of it. 
I know. I, I think the most fair criticism that I've heard of this entire thing that like, you know, cause I, I like the guy, but like the most fair criticism I've heard is the criticism regarding him not being dire- as directly involved with Tesla and then the shareholders and, and the investors there. I'm like, that's, that's a fair criticism because it's very clear that he's eat, sleep and breathe 24 seven at Twitter right now. And I don't know how long that'll last. So I'm on my third Tesla right now and I love them to death. So I had a Model X, then I swapped out. I got my another Model X and I got a Model Y and I love them. I, they're, they're beautiful cars. Um, but if you go back five years, remember he was sleeping in the Tesla factory because he thought he would be bankrupt in two months, right? There was a time where like funding secured, whatever, like remember that debacle? Like it seems like his logic is I need to fix the problem at hand and I will put in whatever it's needed to fix the problem at hand. And at that point too, he was tweeting. That seems to be his outlet. That's fine by me. And he's fixed the problem. That company is doing just fine. Teslas are all on the roads. Back in the day when I had a Tesla, I would like go to places and people would want me to see you open the the, the, the side doors, right? Uh, for the more legs, uh, the whatever though. I forget what the doors are called anymore. But now it's like every second car you see, at least in the Seattle area or the Bay Area, is an EV and it's most likely a Tesla. So great, he's arrived. Maybe he's doing exactly the same thing to Twitter because he did the same thing with SpaceX. We had a bunch of failures. That's all about. So maybe his management style really is jump in, dive deep, go hard, fix the problem. Sure, it has some ramifications that he spends time on Twitter talking about it, but that, that maybe is just his personality. And as you just said, he's a software engineer who became the richest man on the planet. So yeah. the fact that he's okay is good enough. I know. Yeah. Do you know how interesting it would be if like the like all of a sudden tomorrow we woke up and the Wells Fargo CEO was like, oh, use this, use my own app. And I tried to transfer funds to my daughter and this thing sucks screenshot and I'm and he has engineering fix it in 20 minutes. And then there's just like this constant stream of these CEOs using their own product. I kind of think that that would be a cool thing to see. By the way, yeah. our CEO is the number one user of our product and she is not public, but she is so customer obsessed that she finds things before anybody does. And she yeah. is, and she knows it so detailed, so, so detailed down to exact panel that, I mean, exact panel, exact metrics, how much that time takes to load. Like she's got it down perhaps from an obsession for customer obsession. Oh my God. I mean, she does a fantastic job on that. And I love that. And so I'm, you know, newer in my management career and whatnot. I'm 34 for context. And, and I'm an entrepreneur, by the way. We don't have a huge company. We have about 15 people currently. But one of the things that I've learned more recently is one of the most rare things to be able to find in people is exactly what you just mentioned, being like caring, like simply caring, whether it's contractors I'm having do some work with on my house, or it's just people across the board that I'm hiring for my company. I'm always trying to figure out like, does this person care about the quality of their work? Because I can take a, a perfectionist and coach them down, yeah. but I can't take a lazy person and make them run. Exactly. Exactly. And and I think that that and that's a culture that needs to permeate top down, right? It is something that you have to tell people well, you're going to do X and it's going to drive Y business result. And the first question should be on like, what is the customer experience? Is it going to make their life better or worse? And you should be able to make that decision in terms of like, sure, I can go after the pennies that's going to make me, but if I'm going to make somebody's life worse, you're not, they're not going to come back. And tomorrow when there is a competing product or there's a competing thing, they have no incentive to stay. 
right? It is sort of like, you know, we work for people that we like to work for simply because, you know, you have this established trust and relationship that you care. And then when you do that, then, you know, I would go above and beyond for you when needed. And that's the same thing with anything that you interact with or play with. If you are making sure that you're managing, you're looking after them, sure, you need you have your businesses as to go meet, but if you're looking after them and you're making your experiences in a way that caters to what that person needs to do to make their life simpler or get their job done or whatever outcome they want, they will keep coming back to you. And now you have a long-term relationship exactly as with people established with your customer. 100%. Yeah, I like your style, man. <laughs> Thanks. This is really good. I want to talk a little bit about more about like the future of work. Sure. Um, just out of curiosity. So, you know, I usually don't throw stats out, but one of the stat websites said that there's about 70 million people who freelance in the United States. And that's projected to be about 90 million people by, you know, in the next three to five years. If we extend that like infinitely, do we all end up as as freelancers? Have we always all been freelancers? And now just the way we access the job is different? How do you see that? Oh, wow. That's a tough question to answer. I think freelancing is going to grow and it's going to grow rapidly. It's probably going to grow proportionally different in different countries. I suspect that in, in countries where there's unequal or there's a big wealth gap, it's going to grow rapidly there, right? And, and the reason for that is you're equalizing the playing field so that makes that thing, like uh, the place that I see massive growth in uh, Africa, Asian, mm-hmm. like Southern South Asia, et cetera, because what's happening is there is like this high prestigious colleges that people go to or they have education, et cetera. But there's this long tail of places that you could learn from, even Coursera's, et cetera, that you make your skills better. And it kind of levels the playing field for everyone to start earning money, growing, and expanding in their careers. All, all the self-driven people have an incentive to get onto the platform faster. So I think that's going to happen organically any which way. But it's going to change. But would we all go to freelancing? I don't see that yet. And I think at, at some point in time, that corporate structure might change. I don't see that today. I mean, there will always be regulated industries as they need to be. There'll always be security requirements or things that will require people to, you know, I know exactly who you are and I have a very good understanding of what you do and cannot do and I have to like manage that. Those things are not, a health industry, for example, those things are not going to go away. There would be data protection requirements per se and there might be laws to be followed. I don't suspect those things go away. But for, for a majority of work, yeah, why not? I like that you mentioned the the leverage you give self-driven people that can achieve outcomes. Myself, personally, I started freelancing on a site called Scriplance when I was 13 to 15 years old. They didn't know I was a kid sitting at home. They just had an outcome that they needed achieved and I could achieve it. And then you get a reputation and then it's a, I'm a username on a screen that can achieve an outcome. Right. And that is so fascinating because I wouldn't, without the internet and that happening, I wouldn't be able to do that. Yet I had the capability to walk into an engineering firm, but I would have to go through layers and bureaucracy and relationships and they would look at me like I'm a kid, you know, differently. So it, it's, it's fascinating how you look at it because I haven't looked at it like that, but it's opening up opportunity so that you can choose to improve and grow and become, I mean, it's a very American thing. <laughs> it, it absolutely is. Also a hunger driven thing in the terms of like hunger for achieving what you want. And that's global. 
Yes. I was talking to folks from my alma back home and, you know, and I was talking about like, hey, you know, here's what I do, et cetera. And they're like, yeah, we know. And I go, wait a minute, how do you know? I mean, I understand a few of you are on the site. They're like, no, many of us are on places like Upwork and on different sites. And I go, okay, tell me more. And they kind of talk about how it's become easier for college students to pay for college by actually spending some time either freelancing as like tutors, teachers, et cetera. So like there's a kid in college who's teaching like Algebra 1 to somebody in the United States and making enough money to pay their college fees in India. I go, wow, that's like mind-blowing. And they're like, everybody who is motivated does that because this is no longer a matter of like, you know, hey, dad, mom, can you fund me through college? I have to spend a few hours and I'm easily able to do that. And I go, great. And then these guys are now have their own economy and they're forming companies even before they graduate. And so that whole entrepreneurial spirit is coming out really, really to the forefront. And I, I, I would say the next billion and trillion dollar businesses would come from any of these places. Oh, absolutely. And and I love it. Yeah. The the hunger across the globe. Um, I've gotten to interview people, you know, all around the world. And that's when I found out, you know, after hundreds and hundreds of these interviews, I'm like, I like the people that like to get things done. Yes. And and they like to do that in the context of being genuine and helping raise up others. And so now I have some awareness of the type of people. Because like, look, you, you're skilled and you have the resume and you have a financial status where you could go spend your time however you want, but you're choosing to spend it there, which means after meeting you that you clearly have a great team around you, right? Right. The team is excellent. I, I could not have asked for more. In fact, my globally distributed team is fantastic. Every single one of them. And we kind of, I mean, we used our own platform to get our people onboarded to our to our company. We trained them up. I mean, we kind of went through like the same thing. Like if we looked at your, like you had a reputation of what you got done. We kind of talked to those people, but now they are fully integrated part of our team. Some of them, uh, some of them have been around for like 10 plus years. They have built this company from the ground up per se. So when we build our Gen 2, Gen 3, Gen 4, which is where we kind of are in that state, they have all the expertise to go do that. Um, and so my job becomes much, much, much more easier. It's more about like, you know, where do I go and which hill do I need to climb rather than like, you know, how do I have the tools to go do that? You mentioned Africa earlier in the conversation. And I just recently had a friend that uh, went to Africa. He goes there every year. I didn't know this about him, but he, you know, like does charitable stuff, helps them build hospitals and, and different things like that. And so I started looking into it, right? Just facts about Africa. And I found a couple interesting things. I think one of them is like that the median age was 18 years old. Like they have a, they're very young right. and they're getting electricity and access and plugged in. You see, you know, Zuckerberg did a, a coding agency or, he, you know, their foundation provided one. So they're going in there and they're teaching people how to code. They're getting access to all of this. And then I saw that like they, there was more Bitcoin transacted in Africa, like they were in the top three, like more in Africa than China. And I was like, you know, I don't know enough about Bitcoin to know how they're deriving this, but they said that they were like using blockchain explorers. And so I was thinking to myself, you know, we might see some more of this. You see this independence on your work. You might see some more independence on currency. It's kind of interesting how the world is in every single way from that example I gave with Africa to the work that we've been talking, it is favoring people who like to get things done and who who care. And I love that that's the direction we're generally headed. 
I, I absolutely agree. In fact, uh, every place on the planet is expanding in terms of internet capabilities. And once they have access to like, you know, great internet capabilities, they automatically unlock the next step, which is like, hi, I don't need anybody to teach me how to do this stuff. It's all available. And then they all, almost always optimize and go to the next step to say like, how do I use this to a, better myself, better my community, et cetera. Sure, foundations like, you know, Zuckerberg's, et cetera, help. But I think that's more on the broader publicity slash getting people to know about it. But the groundswell is happening every single place. And so the next thing happens is like these guys get onto like freelancing platforms. They start doing their own, they start doing their own companies, et cetera. There are companies right now who are specializing in African talent and they are growing rapidly, right? So just like you would think about like, hi, I'm doing a call center. These are the three places that I would hire from, most likely in Southeast Asia. They're large call centers for me to have. There are folks now setting up locations in Africa where they are getting real talent to be work, good talent to be working. And South Africa is actually leading the charge on that. So I've been uh, one of my friends, his, uh, his company, his entire company is based out of talent in South Africa. I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, it, it's really good. I've been using them for two and a half years. I have the right leverages. I'm able to load balance between that and using like India. And that's how his company is built up, like 80, 90 people. But it's talent from South Africa and Brazil and India. It's, it's just, which we would have not imagined a few years back. Oh, yeah. It's fascinating where these little pockets pop up, you know, because all, all of my stuff is sort of like subjective and personal, but I'll have a string of interviews from people that are like doing amazing things in technology in Israel. And then I'll see how big that they are in, in technology for being such a like small landmass. They're, they're a huge player. Absolutely. Um, Uruguay is like just this crazy. Adv- they, they, they give their kids laptops and coffee. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I, was, I met like a bunch of people from Uruguay, like just by happenstance. And so I had one of them on the show and I was like, what is going on in Uruguay? This was like three years ago. He's like, yeah, one of the things we do is we buy a laptop. We give a laptop to like every single person at like a certain age or something. And then they're known for like their coffee. And I was like, well, that makes sense why there's so many engineers coming out of there. You guys have them all jacked up on caffeine with the computer. <laughs> See, I would love that. If I was a kid and you gave me a laptop and so much coffee, I would love that. <laughs> you know what's funny? I, I also want to mention this really quickly. In, and I'll have to ask some people that are, that are smarter than me in the financial world. But y- you brought up an interesting thought in my head. There are so many people joining the economy in all of these pockets all over the earth. And usually when we hear economists talk about it, I never really hear them reference how many like new people are entering on a global stage because once you have the internet, you can do business with, with you know, virtually anybody minus sanctions, you know? Exactly. And I, I, I'm not smart enough to know that. Yeah, me either. We'll find somebody. Well, man, this has been great. We made a podcast. How do you feel? I feel great, Joel. This was fun talking to you. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.